Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, you might be hearing the name Carter O'Donnell a lot over the next couple of weeks. U of A offensive lineman ranked third by the Canadian Scouting Bureau for next Thursday's Canadian Football League draft. He's from Red Deer, and he could be drafted maybe in the late rounds this weekend in the NFL draft. So keep an eye out for Carter O'Donnell. Also on the university scene, the University of Lethbridge pulling the plug on both its men's and women's hockey programs. Lethbridge has been in Canada West men's since 84 in the women's division since 1997. And the University of Lethbridge saying it's making this decision because of post-secondary funding cuts implemented by the government of Alberta. For reaction and potential fallout at the University of Alberta, it is Golden Bears and Pandas Athletic Director Ian Reid. Ian, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Doing great, Reid. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show tonight. Let's dive right in with one of the top news items of the day, and that is the University of Lethbridge has eliminated its hockey programs your reaction to that news well i think it's a real shame of course there's a lot of great student athletes that have maybe kind of uh trained their entire lives to play university sport and they've chosen university of lethbridge and now those dreams are no longer going to happen and i think it's uh that's really a, a sad day for university students and university sport the university of lethbridge said that this is because of some funding cuts from the provincial government that have obviously been announced recently. Can you kind of characterize the, the impact that those are having or could have on, on the U of A athletic programs? Well, the provincial funding cuts have been extremely problematic for the Golden Bear and Panda athletic program. We made pretty what we thought were pretty significant cuts in December when we had to cut $75,000 out of our program and in the current fiscal year, not budgeting for the next year. That's nearly impossible to do for a program like ours and that we have spent most of our money or, or uh, committed most of our money by December for that fiscal year. But we managed to do most of that. Um, then we got another $300,000 cut in February and we were just getting through the process of dealing with that, which, uh, you know, was always going to be difficult and we knew we were going to have to make some major adjustments, but then we got hit with, uh, the COVID problem, which was really just piling on. So we already knew we were in financial distress, but it became a lot more problematic once COVID hit. And then of course, COVID wiped out most of our external fundraising capabilities. And that was where, uh, you know, it just, be, it, we got down to the point where, there were just didn't look like there was going to be any options for us other than to make some major cutbacks. But, you know, it really all started provincial government cuts, cuts to post-secondary. Uh, uh, they're really hurting post-secondary across the province. 
so with with all this happening are we looking at sports that may not be able to return in the fall and i realize there's a question of that anyway with with the pandemic but are you at the situation where you may have to say uh, you know i'm not going to speculate on a sport but that something in the fall might not continue to exist well, the pandemic is a separate issue altogether. And of course, if the pandemic doesn't allow you to play, it's quite easy. The decisions made for you. So the more difficult decisions are when you have the financial decisions. And when I go back to when I started in athletics in, in the very early 90s, we had a situation where we didn't have enough funding to be able to run programs. And we, we just found ways uh, for, with community support and, and with volunteer coaches and and just patching it together, we found ways to run programs and, and never cut programs in those days. And, and I don't I don't foresee us cutting programs in, uh, this year either, but we will have to run them in a different way. We will end up having to run them with some, some either volunteer coaches or externally funded coaches or, uh, you know, more money coming from development programs or donors or something. But Right now, our plan is that we will run everything for this fiscal year, and then we'll uh, wait and see what happens in the future. But uh, for now, uh, my plan is that they'll be they'll look a little bit different, but we'll run them all. Okay, Ian, do you have any word from you know your president or anybody with the school? when in-person classes might come back? Because, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you can have games and practices until you have people back in classes and gathering and things like that. Yeah, I think that that decision has to be made pretty quickly. And the reason it has to be made pretty quickly is because we you know, offer obviously thousands of courses. And some of those courses would not fit well with online delivery. So the people who are teaching those courses need to know whether we're, uh, they're going to be able to teach in person or online. And that means, uh, or that, that tells the registrar's office what courses can be uh, open for registration for admission. So it's quite complicated and it has to be done quite uh, far ahead of time. Now, all of the spring summer courses are online currently and registration in those is, is actually quite high and quite good. So that's that's positive for the university but uh, i do think there's going to be a decision made fairly soon on the fall and uh, I, I don't know i think it's 50 50 whether or not they will go strictly online or not now that may uh be all that may also not necessarily close all of the facilities on campus it could be that the courses are all offered online because that's that decision has to be made so early but if there was a way to open the campus up and have the courses online so there was some sort of combination of those things, then uh, I could see the university having people in it, but all the courses being online. I know that sounds a bit strange, but to me that could happen. In terms of what's happening at a Canada West level, are, are schedules being made? Are there being provisional schedules being made just in case a season is delayed, postponed, anything like that? There's a lot of hard work being done by the Canada West board right now. The membership has given the board the mandate to come up with revised schedules. So the only thing we know for sure is that the schedules that have been agreed on in February will not happen in uh, beginning in September. So there'll be some kind of revision to the schedule, not COVID related. The COVID related option is different, but the schedules themselves will be different. Uh, there will likely be fewer games. Most of the travel will be by bus and that would 
primarily be because bus is cheaper, but also because you're much more flexible when you're organizing bus travel than air travel so that uh, it, it gives us a chance to be more nimble around making changes at the last minute or making changes to schedules on the fly. The plan is that all the playoffs uh, will still happen in all of the sports. And if we can't play playoffs in front of people, then I guess that might be the way it goes. But we're the same as all the other sport organizations in the world right now and just trying to figure out what the future will look like for us. But yeah, there is going to be revisions to the schedule. Okay. Ian Reid joining us on Inside Sports. He's the athletic director at the University of Alberta. Ian, there was a story a couple days ago uh, about a letter that was written to coaches. Uh, I wonder if you can clarify the recipients and, and the content of this letter. It's my understanding that it was actually sent to a much wider base than just your U of A coaches. Oh, yeah. It, w- it was intended to go out to 4,500 people in a list that we have, which includes fans and friends, alumni, donors, uh, it it went to people all over the world. uh, And it was strictly intended to be a communication around the the financial situation that we're in. There was a lot of people wondering, and uh, we felt like it would be good to give them some very factual information. It was, you know, not intended to be a, a, a poor me sort of a letter, because there's a lot of people out there in the world that have a lot harder, uh, future than we do. But uh, I thought it was necessary to get something out to sort of clarify why we're looking at uh, program changes or why we're looking at revising schedules or, uh, you know, just, just how we're trying to proceed and, and why we're working so hard to try to uh, save all the teams and all the upcoming events because, you know, people don't generally have any idea really how a university athletic program is funded. So we just wanted to get some facts out there. Okay. Uh, and Ian, uh, you know, thanks for coming on. Is, is there anything I'm missing? Is there anything important here in relation to anything we talked about or anything I might have missed asking that you think is important for fans to hear tonight? Well, I, I think one of the things that uh, I'd like to let people understand is that we're really trying our best to offer some kind of a summer sport camp program, uh, whether it can start in July or not, or is, a, is another issue. I mean, it's quite possible the whole thing will be canceled, but we know that the families out there, we have three to 4,000 kids that uh, take part in those programs, and we have about uh, five or $600,000 of, of uh, wages that we pay out to student-athletes that teach in those programs. So that's one of the things that's really in our sights right now is the hope that uh, in some way we will be able to provide those services to the, to the public that will so desperately want them by then. And... Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that, you know, we could even maybe golf. I don't know that that's, uh, uh, we're supposed to say that, but, <laughs> you know, for for people that live in this city that, that really need to get outside and, uh, you know, just, just take advantage of our great spring and summer, um, I'm hoping that we can do that. Well, Ian, thanks for the update. Obviously tough times in, in a lot of different ways, but we appreciate your perspective and, and all the best at the U of A. Okay, thank you very much, Reed. That is Ian Reed, the athletic director at the University of Alberta. So his perspective on what has happened here with the budget cuts for post-secondary funding, and that's obviously affecting 
athletic departments around the uh, around the province. Lethbridge getting rid of their hockey teams, and you heard Ian say it. The U of A will be uh, will be fine for the next fiscal year in terms of having all the teams. Though there might have to be some changes, maybe volunteer coaches, maybe more money coming in from uh, donors, and they're going to have to find some ways to work around it. And I, I found it interesting there what he said too is that the schedules they had done in February are going to have to be revised and not just because Lethbridge is leaving hockey, but for all sports. And you heard him say it, this part of it, not COVID related, fewer games, bus trips instead of flying. And then on top of that, obviously the pandemic may prevent them from starting the seasons as they usually would in, in September and October. But that is the lowdown there from Ian Reed from the U of A athletic department. He's the athletic director. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's inside sports on Oilers and Eskimos radio six thirty. Chad, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. This portion of the show presented by furnace family experience, the furnace family difference, your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews call seven, eight zero four family or visit furnacefamily.com. Also tonight, we will catch up with former Eskimos offensive lineman, Kevin, Kevin Leftrude, we've had Kevin on the phone uh, on the show before. Always interesting to talk to him. He is back near his hometown of Viking on the family farm, and uh, he's gone through a few things since he last played in the CFL in 2007. Concussions caused him to retire, so we'll see how he's been doing dealing with that. And he opened a distillery. And now he's one of the distilleries that is making hand sanitizer because of the pandemic. So we'll get his story since retirement later on as well. It is 7-18. We're back after the break. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 7804960063, the number to reach us. If you ever miss anything on the show, go to 630ched.com. Look for the audio vault. You can also sign up for the podcast for Inside Sports, wherever you get your podcast. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, an excellent show from noon to two every day. Today, Bob had both Wayne Gretzky and Alexander Ovechkin on the show. They're going to square off on Wednesday night in uh, a video game contest, NHL 20. Now it's uh, all for a good cause. They're going to be raising money for the food bank here in Edmonton, as well as a, a charity back in Washington where Ovechkin plays. And it won't be Gretzky and Ovechkin purely head-to-head. They will each have someone playing with them. Uh, again, I have a feeling that Ovechkin, likely a much better video game player than Gretzky. Though Ovechkin uh, mentioned he doesn't play play a ton these days, but, but I, and they, they got, they, they're both getting ringers, but Ovechkin's ringer is like one of the top ranked NHL 20 players in the world. So a little bit of an advantage to him for, for sure. I, I mentioned Carter O'Donnell. He is uh, the U of a golden bears offensive lineman. He could be picked in the uh, NFL draft this weekend. He will certainly be picked in the CFL draft next Thursday uh, ranked third. I wouldn't be surprised if he went in the top two. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. The Edmonton Oil Kings made two trades today. They get 20-year-old forward Cade Oliver from the Victoria Royals. They also get a fourth-round pick in the Bantam draft. They give up a conditional seventh-rounder down the road. The Royals, or pardon me, the, 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 the Oil Kings also give up a conditional seventh-rounder. 
and uh, the Royals get defenseman Jackson Alexander. You know what, Kellen? I just totally botched this trade. Like, I just I just totally ruined talking about this trade. Uh-oh. Like, I just made it sound uh, incredibly more complicated than it is. I, I messed up. I'm just going to start over. We're just going to redo it. Take two. We're just going to... To heck with it. We're doing it live. And action. <laughs> Here's what actually happened. The Oil Kings got 20-year-old forward Cade Oliver from Victoria. They got a fourth rounder in the Bantam draft, a conditional seventh rounder down the road. Going to the Royals, defenseman Jackson Alexander, third and seventh round picks in the Bantam draft. The Oil Kings also traded David Cope to Kelowna for a fourth rounder in 2023. All right, does that make a little more sense? I think that covers it. Those were actually the two trades by the Oil Kings. Not whatever gibberish... I was spewing earlier, but we'll roll with it. Uh, I was watching Last Dance today. This is the new documentary about the Chicago Bulls of uh, the 1990s, really focusing on their 97-98 season, where they won their sixth of eight championships in eighth season. Uh, I I would say the greatest dynasty of uh, probably the last 40 or 50 years in major professional sports in North America. I mean, the Oilers won five and seven. Pretty impressive. The Bulls got to six and eight. Um, you had the Islanders win four in a row. You had the Canadians win four in a row. I guess for an extended period of dominance, you'd, you'd put the Patriots of the last 20 years up there. Uh, they didn't win as many in a condensed period of time as the Chicago Bulls. Uh, San Antonio, I suppose, in, uh, in basketball, Golden State. Um, made the finals, what, five years in a row, won three times, but six and eight for the Bulls with two of the greatest players in the NBA at that time on the same roster, Michael Jordan, number one, Scottie Pippen. You know, some people at times said Scottie Pippen was the second best player in the league, and uh, at least at his peak, and they were on the same team, the Bulls of the 90s. Uh, so I watched uh, the first episode this morning, about halfway through the second episode. I, I always knew that, or I always had this memory that Pippen was – you know, not obviously as well compensated as as Michael Jordan. He was the 122nd highest paid player in the NBA when he was, I, I mean, if he wasn't a, a, a top, if he, if he wasn't the second best player to Jordan, he would have been in the top five in the NBA in, in terms of talent and ability and contributions and all that kind of stuff. And he signed a long-term deal in 1991. And I was watching this in the, in the second episode of last dance today. It's on Netflix, by the way, that I won't give away too much, but I I found it interesting. He, you know, he grew up, uh, he was one of 12 kids. They were a relatively poor family. And he's decided when he signed that long-term contract in 1991 for seven years, he said, I got to lock up this money and know I have it so I can provide for my loved ones. And then after that, the NBA salary scale shot up and, and Pippen all of a sudden was not very well paid considering what a great player he was. Looks like it's going to be a, a pretty good series. Certainly that basketball, that, that was a really interesting time for basketball it, it, with Jordan. They won the three in a row. He retired, played baseball quite poorly and he he never likes it when you point that out but that's why he stopped talking to sports illustrated because they put him on the cover swinging and missing at a pitch with the words bag it michael uh and then he came back 
for the end of his the second full year away. He wasn't quite the same. They lost in the playoffs, and then his next three full seasons, they won the championship again. So that'll be a pretty interesting documentary, The Last Dance on Netflix. We're back with Kevin Lestrut, former... This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. It's an Eskimo, now hand sanitizer producer. Love that intro. Pretty good. Bright future ahead. 7.33. Good to have you along for the ride tonight. Hope you had a pretty good weekend. Hope you are safe and healthy and being a responsible human being as we go through this pandemic. I'm here from you every night, 7 to 8, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, slight temporary alteration to our schedule. We are usually uh, 6 to 8, but we're going to bring you Global News Hour at 6 from 6 to 7, and then uh, we'll bring you Inside Sports from 7 to 8. I am in my home. Kellen, as you know, we have not seen each other in a couple of weeks now. No, we haven't. Uh, I am in my spare bedroom, which uh, I now I've described. I've told people this spare bedroom. Uh, it's not the largest space in the world, shall we say? It's uh, I, I estimated you could comfortably fit, like just standing, not for sleeping or lodging purposes. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not renting this room out. I'm not. I'm not. You know, running sort of a black market hotel out of the spare bedroom, especially now that I'm isolating. But it, like it, it could hold about two and a half people comfortably. Or as, as someone texted in last week, what about the character Fat Bastard from Austin Powers? Well, then you're talking about fewer than two and a half people if you have in, him in here. But what's interesting, Kellen, this room that I've described as, as you know, sort of basically kind of a closet mm-hmm. actually has a closet. Oh wow! I don't, speak, I don't want to speak too loudly because my closet is right over there. But imagine how demeaning it is to be the closet to this room that is basically a closet itself. So is it like a Futurama scenario where the closet is actually larger than the actual living space of the room? No idea. I've never seen a second okay. of the show. <laughs> I, that's, I can't even go along with your joke. I have no idea what you're talking about. Ah, right. Other than Futurama exists as a television program. It's a funny I, show. I never watched it. I'm sure I I'm sure I would find it funny. But I'm sorry, Kellen. The reference is lost on me. I am shocked and appalled and surprised. Anyway, you know, it's great to catch up with our next guest. He uh, once played in the Canadian Football League, was an Edmonton Eskimo. And he's from Viking, Alberta. So he retired in 2007, and he's done some very interesting things since. And we will discuss those ventures with Kevin Leftrude. Kevin, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing well. It's nice to have you on the show. And, uh, man, this is a great story about what you're doing at Section 35. But before we get into that, 
I, I want to ask about the life after football angle to this. Tell us about getting Section 35 going. This is pretty cool. Yeah, well, it was uh, really kind of off of the concussions and the fact that my wife decided that I needed something to do other than just work flat out on the farm. And um, having the dual life that uh, football and farming always gave me, I needed that in my uh, my brain. So uh, neighbors got into honey and um, they had a lot of it and they were paying us in rent and you can only put so much on toast. So next thing you know, we were starting to make alcohol and started making good tasting alcohol and people started wanting to buy it. And if you sell it without having a license, it's called moonshine. And I didn't really feel like going to jail. So uh, we kind of went down that road and the RCMP got involved by saying they wanted me to supply them for their RCMP ball. And so we started really looking at it. And right then Rachel Notley changed the minimums and um, Next thing you know, we're we're one of the distilleries in Alberta. So how how long ago was this? When did this all get started? It'd be about five six years ago that we um, really started looking seriously into it, uh, and we've been legal probably for about three years now, a little under three years that we've been legal. So it's uh you're you're definitely illegal for a while, and then uh, unfortunately sometimes you have to get legal. Okay, well, it sounds like things are going well. I mean, did you ever have any inkling that this would be something you'd get involved in after football? Never. No. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, um, yeah, it, it's been a shock to my system and everyone else's system. I've always enjoyed alcohol. Anyone that knows me knows that I, I don't mind having a drink or two, but um, getting into making honey alcohol was definitely an adventure and it's uh, a, a very steep learning curve and I'm still learning and then the fact that we now have this COVID-19 and came along and that just kind of changed everything again so it just um, yeah I, I never would have expected it. So when, like how many bottles would you produce I don't know if you go by month or year or week but give me some context here for how much you're churning out well, last year we did about um, 5,000 bottles. Um, and so it's, we were expecting to do about the same this year. And January and February were always slow. Um, this year they were even slower. And then March hit and we had no real sales in, in March. And April has been, we've had a couple sales in April, but it's still pretty slow just because of what's going on. So it's, we're not a big producer by any means, but what we do is it's very small batch, uh, very unique flavor. Um, once you try honey alcohol, usually people really enjoy it and they, they're willing to walk away from the, the green alcohol or the, the sugar alcohol. And it is, you have won awards, right? I mean, you can literally say you're an award-winning distillery? I guess so, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was the first time that we ever put our um, bottle into... Uh, be judged and I was always curious to see how it was going to do up against others and yeah we happened to win uh, best in class so it was uh, it was very nice. Where did the name come from section 35? So section 35 is our uh, part of our land legal description um, and so we're on section 35 of township 49 range 13 so we're um, it was it's, it's kind of like naming a kid. You, you really don't know what to name it, and it takes a while. And 
Um, finally, somebody said, well, just why don't you just say where you're from? And so that's where Section 35 came from. So do you have employees, so to speak, or is this the, the family and, and the neighbours and you're, it's all kind of do-it-yourself? Um, well, I have four employees uh, that are helping run the farm with me. And once in a while, I'll grab one or two of them to help me out with bottling. or, And then um, the fact that I... My kids don't have school anymore. Um, I'm employing them. <laughs> so a little child labor never hurt. Oh, jeez. Okay. Kevin Lefter joining us on Inside Sports, former Edmonton Eskimo, uh, now an owner of the Section 35 distillery near Viking. And that's where our story takes us now. Um, tell us about what you are currently producing in the distillery. Well, since... Uh Really, when it comes off the still, most of the alcohol is coming off at 90%. And you're, when you're making alcohol for, for drinking, you have to have your, your heads cuts, which is your, the bad stuff, the stuff that will make a person blind if they drink it. And then you have your hearts, and then you have your tails. And the tails is your stuff that has all the flavor in it, but very low alcohol content. So when you're making drinkable alcohol, you have to worry about that nice thing about what we're doing now is we don't have to worry about those cuts and we can just make sanitizer and so it's coming out at averages out a little over 85 probably and then we add a little bit of glycerin to it and uh, bring it down to about 80% and um, yeah we got our Health Canada uh, license to start making sanitizer and Nice thing about that is we don't have to do any markups for AGLC or um, Revenue Canada, and it's um, yeah makes it a little bit more uh, profitable if you have the ability to do it. So, so I mean, we know there's a need and a demand for sanitizer with with the virus going on. So, did, but did somebody suggest this to you, or did you recognize here, here's a way to help out? But what put you down this path originally? Well, there was quite a bit of con. Like, there was a lot of communication between all the distillers um, and breweries in Alberta, and they saw this coming. Um, and I was reluctant to get into it. I'd rather wash my hands with dirt than than good drinking alcohol. Right? Uh, to me, that's a waste of good alcohol. But it's you can only be, be asked so many times before you either say no or yes. And the need was so great that I think just about every distiller out there has said yes. And so then it was figuring out the Health Canada rules and regulations and getting your labels done. And basically you're setting up another company and how fast you can do it is it's quite impressive. It really took us only about three weeks to completely shift gears and, and, and we're, we are where we are now. So, so you've been producing now the sanitizer for what, just since kind of the, the shutdown or the last month or so? Yeah, uh, pretty much. And for the first while, I was just giving it away because we didn't have our, our labels and we didn't have our barcode. And so if you were selling, it's kind of like selling moonshine. And so um, I don't want to be overly illegal. So I was giving away quite a bit. And then Health Canada gave us our, our barcode and said, give her. And um, so now we have two products. We have one that's 140 milliliter. looks like a little teddy bear. Um, all our bottles got donated to us by Be Made, which has been extremely helpful. And um, 
unbelievably generous. And so, yeah, with um, with them doing that and us making alcohol, um, we put a little glycerin in it, and um, people really seem to like the, the sanitizer. It, you put it on your hands, and it's a little oily, um, and then the alcohol evaporates, and the oil kind of goes into the hands, and uh, you get a little smell of kiss of uh, honey at the end, so it's quite nice. Oh, interesting. Okay, and are you distributing it? Is it is it mainly around Viking, or how far do you have it going out right now? Uh, we have a couple contracts. Uh, Finn in Canada is one of our bigger contracts, so we're trying to get them set up. Um, and then, yeah, there's Vegreville Chamber of Commerce. They're really quite interested in it, so they keep on pushing people towards us. And yeah, we're we're supplying really anyone that that needs it. So. Well, quite a shift in gears, but you know, obviously one that that is pretty relevant to to what is going on. I mean, it sounds like you're 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 learning and you're feeling pretty good about it overall. Oh, it's been an amazing learning experience, and for a dyslexic, concussed brain like mine, you you need all the stimulation that you can in the brain to keep it going. So it's been, I quite like it. Um, it's I don't sleep a whole lot at night, but I never did really before anyway. So it um, just knowing that I can produce a product that people need and people want, um, it's quite quite nice to know. Yeah. Well, that's amazing what you're doing. Uh, Section 35, if, if people just want to give it a Google or check it out online, you guys obviously have a website as well, uh, sec35.com, and they can find everything out there. And, and I mean, your reference, I mean, we've always talked in the past uh, about about your football career, and, and you've referenced the concussions a couple times here. Tell us about that part of the, the journey, Kevin. That's never easy, and a lot of times athletes retire from a concussion or concussions, and then we never hear too much about them. Um, are you are you better than you were when you retired, or is it something you're just going to have to keep dealing with? How would you describe it to fans? Uh, it's the amount of concussions that most of us that played the positions that I played have had. Um, my my daughters have asked me, and they're like, "Really, how many have you had, Dad?" And thousands, probably. Um, every time you got your bell rung. Um, it's a concussion. Um, it's kind of like being punched in the face. How many times have you been punched in the face? Somebody could ask. And it's like if you're a doorman or a bouncer or something like that, thousands, they would say. So same type of thing as, as being an offensive lineman playing professional football. You're, you're, you're going to catch some in the head, and especially the way I played. I was a hockey player learning football very late, and I was playing against guys that were way better and more trained than I was so the only thing I could do to compete with them was to be as violent or more violent and so <clears throat> really it, I caused my own my own dilemma but I, I do it again in a heartbeat so it's am I better? Yeah I'm not sure if that's a term that anyone ever would ever say about me but um it's it's a I like the fact that I'm still learning and that my brain is active and I can it, it it intrigues me and if if I'm not intrigued then I think there'd be some scary uh, end results. Yeah. So as long as I can keep the brain active and and stay intrigued, then um, uh, a damaged brain like mine can can stay very very active. 
Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're incredibly busy and incredibly active, so that's good to hear. And you're doing some great work here uh, providing the sanitizer as well. Do you still watch a lot of football? I've, I've had some retired athletes tell me that they find it hard to watch after they step away. What's it been like for you? Um, it's actually kind of funny. We watched a Grey Cup game last night. I haven't watched uh, football in quite a while, but my daughters, they're getting to the age now where they're going – was my dad good or was he just a, a bench warmer or, or what? So we actually watched the 05 uh, Grey Cup game last night. And um, yeah, my, my kids were happy with what they saw. So Well, yeah, one of the greatest Grey Cup games ever played. So I'm sure I'm sure they enjoyed that one. It was cool because I don't remember that game. You don't yeah. remember that no, game at all? I don't all? remember it. Oh, wow. No, well, I was I was sick sick. Like when we flew into Vancouver, um, they pretty much... I think I got one night out. Um, we went out for supper. The old line went out for supper, and the next morning, um, I I remembered uh, Jamo Dave Jameson was driving me back to the hotel because I was sick, and they quarantined me from the team. And um, yeah, I remember getting IV'd at uh, one point before the game, and um, they used to throw the the playbook underneath the 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 door and have a meeting with me that way um and they're like you're still our starting center for this game i'm like all right and i was i seriously i don't remember that game i was a very sick kid wow well i'm glad you got to watch it then it was a pretty good game <laughs> it was a very good game i was, uh, I was yeah I, I was impressed with actually how i played there was a couple of blitzes that uh matthew sent at me because he knew how we we always used to uh, let the center um, dual read, so people probably don't understand that. But um, I would have the my initial read would be the linebacker, and then you'd have to go out and look for the um, blitzing half or whatever is coming off the corner. And so, if people watch that game, you'll see me kind of eject myself every once in a while and kind of launch and give Ricky just another half second to get rid of the ball. So it was uh, it was interesting to watch. Yeah. Oh, that, well, I'm glad you got to see it, Kevin. And, and you know, it's great to catch up with you and, and congratulations on everything you've done with the distillery and now uh, shifting gears to help out and, and make sanitizer. Thank you so much for checking in on, on Inside Sports. Eskimos fans are, are happy to hear from you and I hope we can talk again soon. Cool, Reed. Yeah, I appreciate it a lot. That is a good chat with Kevin Leftsroot. Very honest about the impact of concussions on his life after football, though, as you heard him say, he would do it all again, and he had to realize that he uh, had to play very violently in order to survive in pro football. But good for he and his family and his neighbors, Section 35 Distillery, and they've gone from making honey-based liquor to making hand sanitizer to help battle the pandemic. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm guests on Inside Sports. Get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classics spun with a modern twist. Back after the break.
chat with Kevin Leftfruit. Man, that's something that he played in the 2005 Grey Cup and doesn't remember it. Arguably the best Grey Cup ever played in terms of entertainment value and star power in the game. It would certainly be, uh, I would think it would be in the top five of all-time great Grey Cup games. Uh, what if there's only three now that have gone to overtime, back and forth between Edmonton and Montreal, and the Eskimos finally pulled it out in overtime. Ricky Ray to Jason Tucker on a couple of big plays, the third and four to Mookie Mitchell. We've talked about that with Mookie on this show before. That was uh, when the Eskimos were down late in the game and they got a third and four and uh, Mookie's running a deep pattern. And with Ricky at quarterback, they they had a couple of receivers who were just going to basically run to the first down yardage and turn around. And Mookie thought, well, no way he's throwing it to me. Ricky's safe. He'll go short and just get the first down. Long bomb to Mookie Mitchell to help set up a touchdown. Two-point convert. Eskimos were up three. Montreal tied it late. And then ultimately, the Eskimos won in overtime in an absolutely classic football game at BC Place. Uh, The Grey Cup is scheduled for Regina this November. We do know the CFL season is not going to start on time. If they do have a season, it will be an abbreviated one. Our story off the top tonight, the University of Lethbridge has cut its hockey programs. We had U of A Athletic Director Ian Reid on the show to discuss that. You can get more on that story on 630chat.com or globalnews.ca. Ian Reid says the U of A will not be cutting any teams for the upcoming fiscal year, but they're going to have to adjust the way they do things, and this could mean volunteer coaches, community coaches, um, you know, finding other sources of, of income there there's the government funding for the u of a they, they've all they're also losing out on some fees because of the students not going to class and with the pandemic they're going to lose revenue as well from all the summer camps they operate but primarily uh they already knew that they were having trouble anyway just because of the the cuts uh from the government funding and that was what was facing lethbridge these hockey teams were not cut because of the pandemic they were they were cut because of the decrease in government funding thanks to kellen kennedy he's our studio operator dave campbell's the producer of inside sports i'll talk to you at seven tomorrow night kelly rudy will join us hope you're doing well have a great evening 6 30 chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at six on 6 30 chad